And Dominion Fire 360 is on my church. He's Million here with you. M-I-L-L-I-A-N, your ministry provocateur, iconoclast, firebrand, and the resident heretic here at Dominion Fire. Pleasure to have you here and have you joining us. On this episode today is a gentleman who I've recently come across and we've sort of connected up and have had amazing conversations about all kind of crazy stuff going on in the kingdom. And the reason I wanted him to come onto the show today was to tell you guys a little about it because... Um, discernment-wise and feeling-wise and kind of on the inside, there's something here that you guys need to get a hold of. And I think this is super important that we get this out into the open. And as we do on 360 here, we put it out for discussion and we see what, you know, we kind of just, we throw it at the dartboard and see where it lands. And that's kind of where we're, we're going with this today. Joining me by phone via the, uh, the cat skills up in uh, New York, out in that way, is Jeff Randall. Jeff Randall joins us today from Unveiled Life, which is the name of his uh, ministry work and project over there. Jeff, welcome to 360. How are you? Good, good. Thank you for having me. It is great to have you here. And we uh, just did the pre-show on Facebook live stream. We're talking for a couple hours. Every time we get together, it's at least two hours. You know what I mean? Good thing yeah. phones don't yeah. charge by the minute anymore because we'd have a big problem. Right. <laughs> but um, so... When in our conversations, the overarching theme of what we talk about is what you called things being unveiled and walking into something that's a deeper sense of what we've been taught. And something I've said from the beginning that always gets people all wound up is when we have a failure in ministry or somebody dies that we're trying to pray for or anything on that line. I always say, I feel like we're missing something. And inadvertently, or, uh, you know, without fail, I should say, I, people jump at me that we're not missing anything. We got Jesus. He's the complete package. And I'm like, no, 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 you're, you're, miss, you're missing what I'm trying to tell you here is that there's more to this story. And that was sort of what really clicked with me the first time we talked is that's a line that I say all the time. And why do we not see the same things is because I feel we're missing something or we're overlooking something is probably the better word. There's something in this mix that's not in its entirety. And I believe it's holding us back. So Jeff, what I'd like you to do is let, let's lay this out. What is unveiled life and kind of talk to those things I just brought up and lay it on us. What do you have today? First of all, unveiled, unveiled life is what every Christian has, whether they've discerned it or not. We are, we've been unveiled. It's a, we, we, we have so religified things and overlooked things. And uh, we, we, golly, we miss sometimes the splendor of certain things in the word because we become so familiar with the ideas that we miss the actual truth behind them. The fact is that the, the living God that created the universe created a way for us to have absolute direct access to him through the Messiah. And to do that, we had to be unveiled. And when it happened, our understanding was also unveiled. And that, that is basically a reference to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. But in there, we read that as we behold, now that our eyes have been unveiled, we have the ability, ability to see a little something, to discern, to understand, uh, to you know, intuitively even know certain things to a little degree. Thank you, Holy Spirit. As we focus on those things, we get more and we get more. And where there's great revelation of these things, there comes great power by these things. And that's why it says as we behold, we grow into ever-increasing levels of glory. So in the life of ministry, it's basically just a ministry work. I don't really like the word ministry, by the way, but ministry work um, where uh, we, we unveil these things for folks. Uh, we base, basically, basically, we are explaining things to people that they've already always known in their spirit. 
And then once they hear it, they're like, oh, I knew that, but didn't know I knew it. We hear that all the time. And that's a good thing. It means we're on the right path. And so we're just, we're helping to unlock it and walk Christians into the fullness of their unveiled life in Christ. So what was the sort of the, uh, the trigger for this or the genesis of this? How did this all come together? I was an evangelist for about 20 years. And I had been an evangelist missionary to the new age and the occult cultures for 12 years, you know, and, and atheists too. It was basically what Christians would view as the hardest of the hard. That was my only mission field for 12 years. And I got really good at it. And the results got really extreme. 85 to 90% of the time they came to Jesus, which people hear that and they're like, that's impossible. That's, you know, quote these verses. They don't understand the verses. It's true. So I was doing that, having a great time. And then one day, Daddy said, you're going to go teach your brothers and sisters how to do what you're doing in power and evangelism. And I'm like, I'm not going to. And I argued for two years, just to be quite honest. It was a classical Jonah story. I didn't want anything to do with it. I like I liked being, I like dealing with lost people, to be honest, and get them saved um, and bring them into, you know, un, they get unveiled once and for all. Uh, being pastor, you know, prophet, apostle, any kind, anything like that, where, where my focus is the church. Ugh, it's really hard. And I knew it was hard. You know, um, the people make it harder, unfortunately, you know, it's just so all these opinions and ideas and stuff. And, you know, and especially with my testimonies, I was like, Lord, there's no way I'm going public with that because one of three things would always happen when I'd hear this. If they didn't see it happen, if I only heard the story, one of three things would happen. They'd say, one, I was lying or crazy. Or they'd say, no, it's real, but it's from the devil. Or they'd say, no, it's real, and it's from God, but then they would want to like lift me up. And there's no way I was going to sign up to have to endure eat any one of those three things. They're all, there's no way. And I argued for two years. And long story short, he actually tricked me into doing this. <laughs> I'd been doing it for two, probably two or three months before I realized it was too late. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, Dad, you good. That's how it started. So not not the most glorious story, but I'm being real, you know. So as you were getting all these revelations and as this stuff was coming to you, what right now is sort of the biggest thing that you're seeing that maybe people are overlooking, as I said earlier? What what is it that we're just not tuning into? What what's the problem here? Yeah. So in the area of power or evangelism or everything, what Anything, just what I, I can't help but feel that like when we're sitting in church, I look around, there's people that are here, they believe, they're willing, they're going out of their way to show up at a certain time to sit in here and sing and drink their coffee. It's like, so there is something. But, you know, the signs follow those that believe, yet I never see these signs around the people that believe. And I'm like, OK, there's something not connecting here. What is it we're overlooking, Jeff? Right. So in the area of power, then. um, yeah, you know, first of all, before I even answer that, I'll make make it clear to folks that there there have been certain heretical doctrines that have made it into the church over the centuries that have absolutely put the church in a place where finding power is makes it like a rare occurrence, like meaningful power, not just healings, but even the strong stuff. And one of those heretical doctrines is the idea that God is in 100% total control. Not a leaf falls from a tree without him doing it. Every baby that ever got cancer and died, God did that because he's in total control. You know, that idea is the most, in my opinion, honestly, it is the single most demonic attack the church has ever been hit with. Because the moment you believe that stuff is the moment you shift it all on God. You think it's all finished. 
we, 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 we read on the cross, he said, it's finished. And we don't keep reading in the book of Acts, though. <laughs> so people think, well, God's in control. Jesus finished it. You know, it's all in his timing. He's going to do what he wants. I've never met a person in my life, and I've never read of one in all of history who moved in massive, significant power who believed that stuff. So that's very telling, number one. The people that believe that stuff, it puts them in a place where they're not going to move in power. So the second point is, it brings me to the second point is, is when we read, he said, it is finished, right? And then he set this work in motion for the Holy Spirit in the world where we confess Jesus as Lord from our heart. We mean it. We get born again, baptized, all that stuff, right? Boom, here we are. Now we're seated in Christ on the throne at the right hand of the Father, like the word says, because Jesus finished something, it means now something begins with us. He said it's finished. And we say, and now it just begins for us. It's like a relay race. 400-yard relay, four people, each one runs 100 yards. You run, you hand the baton. What does that mean? Your race is finished. Now you give it to the next guy, and on he goes. If, 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 if these relay racers believe like the church did, the first guy would hand the, the baton and say, it's finished, and then the, guy would never, the next guy would never run. He'd say, oh, it's finished. We won. We won. <laughs> and they would lose the race. That's where the church is at. And so I realized in my journey through all this stuff that, no, because it's finished, because he gave me in Christ the authority and the power, and because all these things obey us, all things have been put under our feet, all things, truly. Because of that, I need to learn some things. Because I read Green John 14, 12. If you believe these things are greater, well, you do, right? And I'm like, okay, we're not seeing that. And so I went on a long 15-year journey, journey total to figure this out. The Lord is very faithful, uh, very, very... Um, very faithful to teach me, very gracious. And it, honestly, this started when I was five, by the way. When I was five years old, I actually got visited by an angel. Came in my room and told me, when you're 40 years old, you're going to start a work that's going to change a lot of things in a powerful way because you're going to have been shown something, discovered something, been forgotten for thousands of years. Eventually, millions will love you and millions will hate you. And said some other things. And all, the, the other stuff, it all happened. I turned 40. Until I started when I was 40 with me screaming no and trying to run away with it. Run, run away from it, I mean. And um, so my point is, is that, you know, apparently from the, from the beginning, he had this plan that if I was faithful, and again, I want to reiterate, I could have left this journey at any time, come back into the world, and he would have had to use someone else. That's what people aren't comfortable with. Many are called, few are actually chosen. Just because you have a calling, just because you have a destiny, just because you have a promise, just, promise, just because you have a prophecy. Just because Jesus gave you something, it don't mean it's all automatic. We now have to be very faithful and continue the race. And, and, and I did, thankfully. Here we are. I get, uh, you know, 25-ish or so and started a journey that lasted 15 years. And in that, I discovered that through anyone you see in the Bible, anyone you see in, in contemporary history, there are five different stations of growth in Christ. And we call them pillars around here because I do not like the word levels because they're not levels. They're just different places. Pillars are equal and they hold up a, a weight, right? And there, there are five stations, five pillars, five things all Christians are meant to do. But the higher you get in the numbers, honestly, the harder it, it gets in some, in some ways. The first pillar is basically just mind renewal, not, mind, not memorizing scripture, but mind renewal, meaning you think like this, but mind renewal in the areas of dominion, authority, you know, identity, healing, that kind of stuff. The second pillar is basically prophetic activation, to put it in, you know, words people don't understand. 
in our in our, our pillar two school, we teach people how to grow in this very deep intimacy with the Holy Spirit. These beautiful worship times, and it's it's probably our favorite school so far. Uh, the students they they come out with increased dreams, increased words of knowledge, words of wisdom, prophetic abilities. They can sense and feel, and a lot of them can see stuff in the spirit. So that's second pillar. These are both things that every Christian should be developed in. I mean, we read the Bible. The Bible says our, our God is a spirit, John 4, 24, 2 Corinthians 3, 18. We read the spirit of truth we've been given to lead us and guide us into all truth. We read the angels are ministering spirits sent to serve us. You know, it's a spiritual reality. If we're in Christ, it's a very mystical spiritual reality, but it's holy. It's a holy version. It's not the demonic. Um, actually, I just had an angel. I just had an angel orb shoot through my ceiling in here. Physically. <laughs> well, how about that? That's okay. Hey, we have it caught on tape. <laughs> yeah, I wish. In our school, sometimes you see it actually on camera. I'll be talking about stuff, and once in a while, you'll see one fly through the room. And we've had crazy encounters in that. But um, but that, that's just making the, it's confirming what I'm saying. It's making the point. But every Christian should be developed in the ability to hear their father, to 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 have a some kind of a sense for what Holy Spirit is wanting or doing in a moment. That should be standard issue equipment. And it can be, and it can be taught. You don't have to. People think, well, I don't have prophetic abilities. I'm not a seer. So what? Neither was I. You know, I've seen the future now over 3,000 times accurately. Between horse races and lottery, I've won it 12 times. I don't put money on it. It's just a game. And I started without, with no revelatory ability. This is standard issue Christian ability. Healing, raising the dead, testing out demons, and moving in the prophetic. Holy Spirit will show you things to come. That's what it says. So those are pillar one and two schools. When you have those two elements together in someone's life, it brings them into a place that looks like Catherine Coleman. You know, people like Mariah Woodworth Edder, these people that would move with angelic help and crazy signs and wonders would happen over entire stadiums or massive crowds. And around here, we just call it pillar three. Pillar three is really where every mature Christian is supposed to be. Some are going to be way more powerful in it than others because they would they'll have certain gifts but everyone's supposed to move in it to some degree. And if people are faithful in this stuff, when they're in what we call third pillar life in Christ, their healing results, they can go long seasons with 100% results, no matter what they pray for will happen. You know? And so anyway, that, 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 that's the, the power school that we provide. There's four more, fourth and fifth, which, you know, that's just higher level stuff. Honestly, it is higher level. And it's, I don't think it's probably for everyone. But every Christian should be enjoying the benefits of Jesus' finished work, which is, and we know the list, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast the demons. So that, that's our schools. And, uh, oh, and real quick, people say, well, how, how does that give me 100% results? Let me tell you why. Because in pillar one life in Christ, you're just moving on the word. You step out, be healed in Jesus' name. You get no feedback in the moment. You don't know. Did it work? Did it not? Right? You hope for the best. You believe for the best. You go off, and sometimes it works. Sometimes it didn't. When you add that sensory ability, the prophetic ability, you're very keen, you're, you're keenly aware of what's going on in their body. You know when it's worked and when it hasn't. You know when it's working, when you need to continue, and you'll continue. It's very interactive, very three-dimensional, and that's why the results go up. So a person who does really, really well in just pillar one life can get 50% results consistently. If they mix in some intimacy, a, a healthy you know, prayer life with Holy Spirit, the results can commonly go to 70, 75, maybe 80%. But the, that next 20%, it's found in this stuff. And that's what I saw in people like Catherine Coleman and Wigglesworth and, and John Lake. 
And um, anyway, so that that's what that's what the schools provide. That's why they provide it, and that's what's been missing. You know what really stands out to me with this is that when you mention someone like a Coleman, for instance, if you've ever watched any of the recordings or videos with her, she's a little weird, and I'm not going to mince words on that one. Yeah. And a lot of these yeah. people we look at and we say they're weird. And we say, oh, I want to get to that level, but we're not necessarily comfortable with the weirdness. So what you had told me before about the the trainings and the power school is that you have sort of developed a way to make it where people can operate in that and you can bridge the gap between unapproachable weird and here's the lessons on how to get there. So how do you sort of approach that if somebody comes to the school and they want to know more about it or learn? What kind of approach do you take? Like, do you see people... It does everybody that attend the school, they start seeing stuff right away? Do they get results right away? Like, what happens in that process? I see. Well, it depends because people are coming from so many different places, you know. Um, someone who showed, first of all, if someone comes to our Pillar One school and they've never seen a single healing in their life, um, we don't mind if they join. We just would prefer them have some experience in it already. But they're welcome to join, and, and they always benefit. They always have, and they always do good. But if they want to take our first, you know, our pillar one school and they don't, they've not already been exposed to basic teachings on identity, dominion. We really, really, really want those folks to go back and learn from people who are teaching the basics, the biblical basics on identity, dominion, healing. You know, at least, at least have the doctrine in their head, whether they've seen it or not, it's another story. Because our, our pillar one school, when I'm, just to be honest with you, man, you know, where, where I came from. I was in a very high place in God, and I came back down to the ground, so to speak, to teach this stuff. And I realized quickly when I was back down here, I'm like, man, people don't even have the basics. So we, I was just going to do Pillar 2, 3, 4, and 5 school, but I quickly realized uh, uh, that these, so many people don't have the basics. I thought, man, we really got to do the Pillar 1 stuff instead of sending them to people like Andrew Walmack, for example. You know, Andrew Walmack, if someone's sitting under Andrew Walmack and listening to Todd White and Dan Muller, you know, for a year, six months, whatever, you know, that's. That's good. That's what we want. But I realized we can get people heading done that. So we try to do our basics. We try to do the pillar one stuff. And to be honest, even our basic, it actually turned out advanced. And we, we hear that from everybody. So we really want people to have some kind of a background. Now, so back to your question, though, if they come in and they know absolutely nothing about any of this, we get mixed results, to be honest. If they've done what I just said, if they got a background to, you know, of understanding from people like Andrew Walmack and Todd White and Dan Muller, and then they come into a pillar one school. Even if they hadn't seen any healing, they wind up getting healing. Uh, I, I'm, I don't know of anyone yet who had that background at least, came and did our school and applied it and did not start to work at least sometimes. I'm not aware of anyone who it hasn't worked for uh, to some degree. But then we get people that show up who've been mind renewed in that stuff. And they've been seeing healings already. And then they get into pillar one school. And what those people say, they say that there's, the school's very heavily focused on answering questions that most people never think to ask because it brings understanding and revelation. And with that comes more, you know, faith, more power. And so the people who do have a lot of experience and they take our, our pillar one power school, they, they typically come back and say, wow, I always wondered about this thing. Why did that happen like that? You know, sometimes for me and sometimes not. And those people are really appreciative because it fills in the, uh, the missing, you know, the, the missing blanks that no one else is addressing. So once they get that, we want them to have at least at least 25 healings, you know, under their belt before they take Pillar 2 school. Uh, there's a reason for that. Long story. But 
then those that go into pillar two, those that apply the information to pillar two school, um, everyone I've spoken to that's in our, our pillar two school who's applied it, their prophetic ability, it has marketedly increased. Not like a little bit either. Uh, a lot of our students are getting dreams about things that happen the next day. They'll get the dream the day before. A um, lot of words of knowledge. A lot of our folks will come in uh, in a pillar two school having never had a word of knowledge after about, you know, four or five months of it. Man, they walk in a grocery store and they're seeing all kinds of stuff about everybody in the, everybody in the store. So it's, it's very encouraging to see the results, to be honest. So, <laughs> but that, that's the typical experiences. So. Yeah, I find the whole thing interesting because, as we've talked about before, it's just that we we know this stuff exists. We know there's more out there. We know that there's you know pretty much an endless road of things that we have, and it's something I call in in Christianity. I call it perpetual kindergarten. That the entire body wants to stay in kindergarten, and you know, someone like me, I want to be like in an advanced doctorate program. I want to learn this crazy stuff. I'm open to it. You know, I like this kind of. I like weird. It's just kind of how I'm wired. And I know a lot of our listeners to the show generally feel that same way. It's like, there's got to be more to this. And I think that's something that you're attempting to bring out to people. So when we get back to our original question for this show is what Christianity should look like when if you were to see someone in just any day life and they were fully where they should be, what should a Christian look like today? I'll just answer from my experience, what I lived for years and years until we started Unveil Life and I started working 100-hour weeks <laughs> and got unplugged from some of this. But um, for many years, bro, everywhere I went, I'm telling you, I went in the grocery store, on the street, 95% of the time, if not more, I would look at people and know something about them everywhere I went. Um, also, everywhere I went, I had, I had, I could physically feel this power field that went with me just i emanated power everywhere i went on numerous occasions i'd be in public walk by someone that was demonized in a store and it would completely ma- they'd manifest i didn't even pray for them i just got like 10 feet of them and start growling and going crazy and in fact i used to carry this is funny i used to carry a, a, a weak laser pointer in my pocket because it would happen and People try to, guys try to stab me and all kinds of stuff. I wouldn't even say anything to them just to get stirred up. And I, I'd hit them in the, in the eye with that weak light. It wouldn't hurt their eye, but it'd blind them for a second. So I'd get away. I mean, that's how I lived for years because the power on me would, the demons would go screaming, uh, manifest. Other times the demons would come out. People would start growling on the ground. And, and, and everywhere I went, it was like a freak show. It's like I had to, people are like, what just happened? I'm like, that's the Holy Spirit. Or what? This is Jesus, guys. You know, like everywhere I went. Um, also I could walk by people, um, their emotions would be in peace. All of a sudden their emotional negative state would be in peace. Um, the healing miracles was for years, 100%. Um, I could throw power. I know people kind of, some people are, are kind of iffy on that. And I don't really know how that happened, but if you have something and you're edified in it, you can give it and you don't have to be physically touching someone because it's all spiritual. So why can't you do something else? You know, you know what I mean? So th- what we'd call, quote, throwing, unquote, power in the Holy Spirit, that shouldn't be a novel thing. And I got so good at that, you know, I could go into a room and there, one, I think the, the biggest one I did was a room with 400 people. And I, I released power in the whole room. A bunch of them started hitting the ground everywhere. I wouldn't even say anything, you know. Um, it was It was amazing. But that is a mature 
son of son of God, that someone who's walking in the unveiled fullness of Christ in them, which is what their hope, LP, eager expectation, reason to expect, glory. And so that's honestly what we're supposed to look like. We're filled with the Spirit that created the universe. Why would we look like carnal people, uh, you know, on the street? So anyway, that I lived that like that for years. When we're done with the school, I'm going to go back into it, live like that again. Um, but that's how we're supposed to look. So as we go through this, what what I tend to notice is is that we get roomfuls of people at conferences and churches. And, and listen, guys, I don't really mean to rag on Christianity. I don't mean it that way. But you know, iron does sharpen iron. We got to have a little spark here and there. We got to have some little bit of friction. Is all I'm saying. But you notice that in any ministry, church setting, anything like this, it's called the Pareto Principle. 20% of the people do 80% of the work, right? And I can't help but think that if we get 20% of Christians to get a hold of this higher pillar or higher level or different pillar, whatever you want to call it, this form of existence in the body, I really think the whole game changes. So in all of this, what what happens is that, and, and this is something I, I, I have to be careful about because I don't want it to sound a certain way, and, and it's people think that when you preach this stuff or like with us in healing and you with this levels of power, people think, oh, it's hidden knowledge and that's Gnostic and that's, demon-, you know, that whole thing, that that direction is the way it goes. But it's not hidden. It's free for anybody that wants to bother learning about it. But it's more just forgotten knowledge is the way I look at it. So when we talk about this forgotten type of thing, uh, something that you wanted to kind of pivot to a little bit was the topic of Jesus's hidden mission. But instead of hidden, I'm going to say forgotten, <laughs> just just to be safe on that one. So Jesus hidden or forgotten mission, depending on how you wanted to go. What, what do you got for us? I mean, and I hear what you're saying. You're, de- you're definitely right on this one. It. um it was hidden at the time. It was revealed through Paul's ministry, though. He said that these things have been hidden from the foundation of the world. But through my ministry, he said, it's been revealed, which is Christ in you, the hope of all his glory, blah, blah, blah. But, but there's a lot of things that happened that Jesus did. That he, wasn't, he did it right in front of everyone, but people didn't have eyes to see. They didn't realize what he was doing. And this is one of those things. You know, if, if anyone here has not studied Mount Hermon, the Nephilim, what the fallen angels did in Genesis 6, the one I'm going to say here is not going to make a whole lot of sense. Go back and study that stuff. It's been often been said that understanding the Nephilim is a Rosetta Stone for interpreting the entire Bible. You know, and in some ways, I do agree with that. You know, there's a lot of truth in that statement. Um, but if you, those of you who don't know what a Nephilim was, that's when the fallen angels descended down on Mount Hermon, came into the earth. We read it in Genesis 6 and there's other places in the, in the scriptures. And they came and they had sexual relations with human beings with women and the offspring were giants they were nothing you know king og of bashan was 13 and a half feet tall we know about david and goliath well where did all these giants come from well they were the the offspring of the fallen angels and the lord had commanded his people to destroy them and um and their whole bloodline because it corrupted human dna and it was a big big problem which is why when it said god said kill the women children and all that that's the stuff he was talking about people say why would god do that if he was love because he had to. These were not just normal people. They had corrupted DNA. But anyway, that's Mount. That's the Mount Hermon connection. So the thing is, when Jesus, so the Son of God, the Messiah, the promised one, the whole world had been waiting for, shows up, and the prophecies about him, and even himself said that his his ministry was not to the Gentiles. That was for the apostles later, 
his ministry when he was in physical form down here was for Israel. We know that. That's biblical. Um, so he shows up. His ministry begins. He goes and gets, you know, uh, baptized in the Jordan. He's led by the Spirit out in the wilderness to be tempted for 40 days. What does that mean? To win the fight for his own thoughts, his own heart, in every single way, and to prove to, not, not maybe to win the fight, but to prove to the fallen that he won, that he was not going to bow to anything other than the Father. So when after 40 days and did that, and he was endued with power, and off he goes. Now, ask this. His ministry, and he knew, was to Israel. If you're the promised Messiah, and now here the Holy Spirit's descended down upon you, and your ministry's beginning, all this good stuff, where, and your ministry, again, is to Israel, where would you go to reach Israel. When you go to Jerusalem, especially since where he was out in the desert was just two or three miles, maybe four, it was real close to Jerusalem. So you would think he would leave he would leave the desert and due to this power, go into the city, work all these miracles and signs and wonders, and Israel would be saved. That's how we think today, understandably. But his mission was not just to save us. His mission was to destroy someone else too. He came not just to save us, just to manifest prophecies and save Israel and Gentiles, Gentiles and everybody else. His ministry was simultaneously to take someone else down. It says he's manifest to destroy the works of the devil. Now, so here he is, and due to his power, there's Jerusalem. He's staring at it from the desert. He walks past Jerusalem and goes 70 miles north out of his way, past Jerusalem, to this little rinky-dink town in the northern, northern side of the Sea of Galilee. And now, this is bad. If you're going to start a movement, this isn't how you do it, right? <laughs> so he goes to this podunk place right around the area. This place was called Benius. Benius, to this day, is nicknamed the Gates of Hell. It is. It's right north of, of um, the Sea of Galilee. Nor just to the east of Benius, is Mount Hermon, and south of that's the Golan Heights. But to the west of Benias, uh, the gates of hell, the west is Mount Carmel. That's where Elijah, the showdown of the false prophets and all that stuff happened. So right there in that area is, it is the, literally the touch point, the ground zero of Satan touching the earth and all this crazy stuff that's affected us in the, in the modern times coming from there. You know, he came down and, probably descended down there where they came probably and to come tempt Eve even, you know, but anyway, it's Mount Hermon has this terrible, terrible, terrible uh, connotation because of its history. So Jesus goes to this place, which till this day, and even back then it was known as the most paranormal haunted place in that side of the entire world. So until this day, it's actually number one for paranormal activity to this day. Why? because it was the portal of hell. It's where the fallen angels descended down from the very beginning. So Jesus walks past the city of peace, the religious city, the church city, right? Yeah, that's how we, you know, the church culture, that we'd go to do conferences with all his power. He walks past it to go to this obscure, deeply demonic place to start calling out his 12 witnesses. Right there, basically, in the eye shot of Mount Hermon, he's doing this. Which, by the way, this is why when he was walking on water later on Sea of Galilee, they thought it was a ghost. That's why they thought that, because there's a lot of that kind of activity there. 
So the Son of God, light personified, goes into the deepest darkness on the face of the earth to call, start calling out his 12 witnesses right there to let that mountain witness what was happening. And it was the beginning of the downfall of the fallen. And, and people overlooked it for a long time. So remember where it says, that, uh, so the gates of hell will not prevail against my ecclesia, right? We, we, we look at that because we get trained in our religious ways of talking. We think he's just being religious. He wasn't being religious. He's being very literal, very factual. The gates of hell, that's the portal. That was the portal, portal to hell. So he said, so he don't just start the church. He don't just call out the apostles and then start the church and empowers the spirit. But when he started the entire thing, he did it in view of Mount Hermon. at the place, the gates of hell. That do that is to me that's that's amazing, man. That is someone who is like you talk about provocative. You talk about in your face. You talk about a warrior. That's it. I mean, come on. So he's literally sitting there watching these fallen angels descended down as he's calling out his witnesses, these twelve apostles, probably staring at that mountain the whole time. He basically, in effect, saying to the spirit world, "Heaven has just come here. The gates of hell are not going to stop us. You've been running the world." You've been running the world um, unhindered for thousands of years. It's about to end. I'm here. And I'm starting my ecclesia. What's fascinating about that, too, and this keeps coming to my mind, so I know i got to get this out somehow. It seems like you notice a pattern throughout the Bible and how God does things is that whenever someone or something reaches what you would consider its greatest failure, he shows up and does something big there. And what keeps coming to mind is the upper room, right? They're in Jerusalem. They had like what they think is their biggest failure of everything possible. They're all sitting around going, guys, what are we doing here? <laughs> We're just kind of sitting. Next thing you know, you have the whole Pentecost experience that shows up, right? Well, it just reminds me that whenever you're in this whole area where or a time or a place where you think you've hit your greatest failure, which is something we've talked about in our lives and all that stuff. God shows up and does something really huge and changes the game again. It just seems to be a repeating pattern. I've just wanted to throw that out there. No, that's good. That's a good discernment there, man. That's good. You're right. He's like that. Uh, I've seen it in my life, as I'm sure you have, and a lot of us have. He's, God, he's the ultimate encourager, man. And, and he's always got a plan to fix stuff. All we have to do is just lean in and say, all right, I'm willing to let you fix it, daddy. You know, he, you're right. He's good. So, so he sees all this stuff all messed up and he sends the Messiah in the fullness of time, it said, to come do this. And also said if the rulers of the world knew who Jesus was, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. And, and people say, well, that's talking about the people rulers. Well, yeah, but those people rulers were influenced by the spiritual rulers of wickedness too. So it's both. And so he comes in here like totally Mission Impossible style, man. He comes in here, black ops, CIA you know, Green Beret unit, SEAL Team 6. I mean, literally, that's why everyone's like saying, look, they're saying, look, if you're the Messiah, just tell us plainly. And he wouldn't come right out and say it openly like that. It was so secretive. Why was he so secretive? Because he understood the fallen, they were watching him closely. So he had certain things that he keep close to his chest until the big, the big surprise had been sprung. And once they crucified him, he's like, I just beat you. You just released the blood of God into the dirt of this world. If Abel's blood cried out, what do you think God's blood's going to do? Earthquakes came, the veil tore, dead came out of the graves. That's what that blood does in the earth. So he tricked the fallen into releasing the blood of God into the earth at their own 
um, at their own peril. It wasn't like an accident. So in doing that, he got complete authority over all of them and then handed it to us, his ecclesia, his governors, and said, as I have done, so also you do. I want you to occupy until I return. And it's not just heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons, and get the lost saved. That's part of it. But the other part to this whole point of the ecclesia being in the earth is to shut down the activity of the fallen angels. They're the ones running all kinds of stuff. And I've lived this. And that's, that's the point why I got called out of this whole thing. I got called out to do this whole thing was because I was having intercessions. I would, I would do it in front of people. I have so many witnesses. I would command things to be. And very, honestly, very impressive things. Things I've heard no one today rivals. I'm just being honest. You know, I'm not tooting my horn. It's not like that. I'm a witness, so I have to testify what I've seen. I'm just doing that. But I would do these intercessions, man, and believe, and the walls are cracking and popping. You see spirits, angels, little balls of light coming and going out of the room. And I mean, very, very impressive. And then what I commanded would show up in the national or international news a few days later. I've done that a lot now. And so the Bible says the eyes of the Lord roam to and fro the earth, doing what? He's looking for something. What's he looking for? Those who will believe him over everything. Those whose hearts are fully his. And he found this crazy guy out here that was doing, never thought to doubt for some of this stuff, was literally changing the course of history, um, literally. And he goes, I can use you. And it wasn't about, because I was a great example. It wasn't because I was a, even a great teacher or a great God, to be honest. He goes, no, you're all I got because no one else is willing to believe me for this. That's it. That's the, only, that's the only reason I got called out. Because I discovered this with his help that he's wanting not just to rule in the dirt, in the earth, through love and peace and, and healing and comfort and salvation. He's also wanting to rule in the heaven. Why do we miss this? All things that said been put under his feet, we're in him. And it says all rulers, all principalities, all it goes to this whole list of demonic powers. And then Paul said, our war is not with people, our war is with this. So our job is to bring healing and salvation to man and unbridled hellish war unleashed on the heavenlies. And people have missed that. And the, the current identity movement, they, they don't even talk about this. This is 50% of the reason for the ecclesia. And you can go get everyone in the world healed. But if you don't deal with the problem, which these bad guys telepathically in the atmosphere throwing thoughts and ideas and temptations and false paradigms into the hearts and minds of men, you're on a never-ending treadmill. You can get everyone healed, and it's going to keep going back and back and forth. We've all seen people, you get them healed, you get them saved, because they're amazed at the healing. You find them a year later, and they're backslidden. What is that? That's spiritual forces active in their life. We need to get these people saved and then intercede for these people to block that crap out of their life. You know, People don't realize, and I'm not going to go into it today, it's for another talk, but I would love to get into my interactions with the physical, I'm talking princes, the fallen princes and the holy princes, physically, in the air, and the stuff I've seen them do to my mind and other people's minds, because when you see it, it's like, whoa, dude. Like the understanding of spiritual war and taking every thought captive, like it, it becomes a three-dimensional real reality, you know, which it really needs to be. So anyway... That's my spiel, man. But that's, that's what we're doing around here. That's what I was called to do, to weaponize the church. You know, we're not even a healing ministry, honestly. We get, I get billed for that a lot. Oh, you're a healing guy. Not really. Around here, we use healing just to get people to the level of intercession they need to be. We're really an inter intercessory ministry. But even when I say intercessory ministry, people don't view it for what it is. They're, oh, so it's like these old women getting around and just 
honestly what people think no no my i understand people die people erase from the dead remotely situations change events change elections are swayed stuff i've demonstrated man that's intercession of of a king and we are the kings that he's king over and so that's the message it's like with this entire place man it's supposed to not be ruled by the devil because Jesus gave us the keys. He gave us the authority. He gave us the power. Why is the devil still even doing anything, man? It's because we haven't understood. And that's what we're here to do. So if somebody wants to learn more, if they want to check out the site or the classes or anything you have going on, where can they find you? Check us out at unveillife.org. Uh, you, you see about the schools there. We actually have an evangelism school and a, and a contact school which goes into the stuff I've talked about here. Um, and then we have a main Facebook group. You go on um, Facebook, look up Unveil Life. We have like 10 different groups. Just beware. Look up the main Unveil Life group, not the Unveil Life Pillar 1 student group or the Pillar 2 student group, unless you're in the school. If you're in Pillar 1 school, welcome to Pillar 1 group. Pillar 2 school, welcome to Pillar 2 group. But uh, we have the main Unveil Life group. Check us out there. And a lot of community. We have... Um, We've got such a sweet group of people, man. It's just, that's the other thing I mentioned is the community. People comment all the time about how it, it feels like family. And it's turned into a, basically a virtual church, which is funny because I never considered myself anything pastoral. But, but these are my brothers and sisters, and I adore them, and they adore me, and it's a family. And um, it's very precious, man. I, it was a completely unexpected side effect of this. But so check us out. That's awesome. And listeners, if anytime you're not sure where to go or who to talk to, send us a message here and you could do that through the website at dominionfire.com. And then you can also find the podcast. We have Heal the Sick, the Dominion Fire 360. There's the YouTube vlog, which God will not get off my case to continue. And he wants me to keep doing that. And we were talking the other day about video is turning the enemy's weapon against himself. So the, 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 the boss keeps tapping me on the shoulder. So I'm working through it, guys. I promise. So we'll get something going there as well. And then make sure you check out Jeff's work because uh, as you're hearing from today, um, there is a sincere desire to get information to people that I agree is is lacking somewhere. And I think this is something we all need to address. I think it's time for a serious gut check that are we doing what, you know, the, the full potential of what we can do? And I don't think we are just yet. And that's not necessarily wrong. It's just something we need to start paying some attention to. So. Listeners, anytime, just make sure you check us out. Um, I'll be happy to help you. Uh, contact form, everything's on the website. You could you could check it out there. And Jeff, I just want to thank you for being here today. We've had uh, all these wonderful long discussions. Today is no exception. And thank you so much for being here and just for sharing with our audience. Thanks for having me, brother. Bless you, man.